we're not here fighting Jewish law. We're here fighting society's appropriation of Jewish law for their own gain. So I'll give you a great example, okay? Just yeah, this please. week, El Al flight was delayed for an hour and 15 minutes because men wouldn't sit next to women. That is yeah. simply not Judaism. It's not. Yeah. It could also be El Al just making up a story because let's be honest, they have a lot of late planes for many reasons. <laughs> but we'll go with that as the excuse. This is the Mid-East Peace Podcast. I am your host, Molly Livingstone, here in Jerusalem. And on the show today, we are going to have another lady. If you can imagine, there's going to be two of us, so the world might crumble. This is Shoshana Keats Jaskel, maybe better known as a warrior with her pen. She has a blog that says so. She is a part of, I don't know, it's a, a religious women's battle for equality for realizing that we're here literally because one of their campaigns is about erasing women that's with Chochmat Nashim Shoshana welcome to the show and uh, thank you for making people try to say Chochmat Nashim that just is (laughs) really evil first you want equality second you want to enjoy watching people spit on themselves first of all you're correct and second of all yes (laughs) Second of all, yes. Let's be honest. This is going to be a very honest podcast. Okay. So first of all, no one has any idea what that word means. They can barely say it. The That's very, it's a very Jewish sound. You can say Hanukkah. You can say Chochmat. It's just the next level. People say like Chanaka, Hanukkah. They can't even spell Hanukkah. So So the reason, what it really means, like literally, it means women's wisdom. But because that's so cliche, we don't actually translate it. So you've 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 started mm. off with with our weakness, which is how do we translate into English what it is that we do? So the idea basically behind Chochmat Nashim is that Judaism is better when women are heard. And we yes. started off by saying Judaism is better when, when women are heard because we wanted to put women's voices into the conversation, women's experiences, women's understanding of Judaism, right? And so what happens, though, is now we see women, not only are we missing from the Jewish conversation, but we're actually missing from the Jewish print world, as we say. So now it's almost like Judaism is better women are seen. Like, hello? Like, now we're going really back to the basics, which is what you hit on, which is like, all of a sudden, if you open a book, I walked into Feldheim in Jerusalem the other like a few weeks ago and I actually filmed myself well I didn't film myself I filmed the filmed the books and I found two books with cartoon women in them two and they weren't even women they were like girls and I think it was just for girls these books it's like women are literally being taken out of not only the larger Jewish conversation when it comes to policy and texts but even textbooks and and cartoon books girls and women are just non-existent it's become this like Taliban existence and I'm like wait wait what what is going on here and and so what that's what we've come together to do which is to say hey guys this is not healthy this is not working you got to put women back in the picture literally and figuratively and so until we find a better name for us in English we're going to be Chochmat Nashim and everyone's going to have to figure it out that's it's tough I don't know I might go with the cliche on that one just because people can't say it but you said Judaism is better when women are heard Mm-hmm. That's kind of the opposite of everything ever that I've ever heard, you know, in terms of, you know, women right now in Israel 
fight to be heard all the time. And I'm not just talking about um, having equality when it comes to Knesset members and the government. I'm saying the simplest things of going to, of course, the women's section of the Western Wall to pray and have a voice there. Mm -hmm. Where not only are men trying to shut women down, but other women who are also equally as religious or less religious as they may see these people will also try to shut other women down. So it's interesting that you're saying that because I've never heard that before. That Judaism happens to be better when women are hurt. So I think that if we actually look at traditional Judaism, women have been heard. They haven't been heard in the same ways that men have been heard simply because they aren't recorded as much as men are and they aren't prolifically writing as men are. If you go back to the Jewish sources, the Talmud, and even before the Talmud, you have quoted conversations between the sages and their wives, their wives telling them, hey, what are you talking about? That's not the way we do things. And so while it's true that in the same way that men have been heard, women aren't heard. But it's absolutely not true that women have not been heard in Judaism. It's just been different. And and I think most of that and most of the issues that we're fielding today, it's societal, right? What do I mean? I mean, Jewish law does have a distinction between men and women. There's no question about it. We have different roles. We have different laws. For I would say, I don't know, 10% of Judaism, but 90% of Judaism is the same for us. We have to be good. We have to keep Shabbat. We have dietary laws. It's the focus that's been put on this distinction and the extremism that has been brought to this distinction that makes it seem like women are supposed to be shunted aside. And that's what we really fight. Like we're not here fighting Jewish law. We're here fighting society's appropriation of Jewish law for their own gain. So I'll give you a great example, okay? Just this week, Elal flight was delayed for an hour and 15 minutes because men wouldn't sit next to women. That is simply not Judaism. It's not. Yeah, it could also be Elal just making up a story because let's be honest, they have a lot of late planes for many reasons. (laughs) But we'll go with that as the excuse. Yeah, okay. Okay, Okay. Okay, I'll give you another example. But why did they do that? Wait a second. Just go through this example. So a woman is, I thought in Judaism, so precious that she doesn't need to pray. I mean, that's the tone that I've been hearing many times over from the religious people is you don't need to be praying. That's why on a Friday night, you don't need to go to the synagogue. You can stay home and cook all night and then serve us because you're so precious. Well, yeah. the truth is that it is patronizing when people say, oh, you're women, you're just so holy, you don't need yeah, X, Y, Yeah, you caught the tone. But first of all, it's not true that women don't need to pray. Women do need to pray. We need a relationship with God, according to Judaism. But what we don't need in order for our prayers is a quorum of 10, right? So why do you go to the synagogue? It's so you can pray with a quorum, a, a minyan, mm-hmm. which is 10 men. And so... Okay. Well, I thought you were saying Quran, which was just not the be Quran, a quorum. I'm trying to use English words. <laughs> yeah, that was really intense for me because I Q U O R A M. I think don't quote okay. me. Well, oh. It's not a spelling bee. <laughs> I don't know how to spell it. So again, this is where we get back to like actual Judaism. Like there's distinction between what we need to do as women, what we need to do as men in these areas. And then people take it and they say, well, you know, in order to make an excuse, I don't listen. I don't need an excuse. I'll tell you right now, I am not upset that I don't have to get to the synagogue three times a day. And I have Mm. a very secure and happy relationship with God. And it doesn't depend on what other people tell me it should or should not be. I can get an amen on that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amen and hallelujah. So... Again, what's happening is that people's societal or cultural preferences are being 
foisted upon Torah. So, for example, when people say women have to be in the back of the bus, that ain't Judaism. When they say women mm-hmm. can't be in uh, posters, that ain't Judaism. And when they say you need bulletproof stockings, also not Judaism. And so what happens is there's a culture clash, even within the religious, by the way. And then even religious people aren't religious enough for other religious people. And so we kind of have to step back and say, okay, we have to make a distinction between what Jewish law actually says and what people are saying that it says. And sometimes that's really very hard because it's even institutionalized into the state religious institutions like the rabbinate, right? So Mm -hmm. you can have a Jewish law that the rabbinate says, you know what? We're not going to do that. So when it comes to freeing women from divorce, there are mechanisms that can be used. There are things that should be done to help women get out of marriages when their husbands won't let them out. But the rabbinate says, well, you know what? We're not going to use those. Those are too difficult or not everybody agrees with them. And so we're not going to utilize them. And so these are the areas, erasing women, getting women divorces, the extremism in general, and this hyper modesty, which unfortunately has caused an entire Haredi population, Haredi is the ultra-Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox population of women, even though they get breast cancer, they, they get it less, they die more of it. So here you have a population dying more of a, a disease that's preventable and with screening because it's not discussed. Women's health is not discussed because okay. it's considered immodest. And that, again, is not Judaism. You just said so many different things. (laughs) And I was like, we were going to talk about the LL not sitting next to a lady. And then you also mentioned the back of the bus. And these are all one of the same. Meaning there is this idea now. It used to be, listen, when you go to pray in a synagogue, you should have a separation of men and women to focus on the prayers. And God forbid you see, you know, a woman and get too excited and forget to say God's name or whatever it is. And that has become very ultra orthodox people saying no you know what we should also sit separately at a meal and Mm -hmm. and certainly when we're on a bus and and we should put the women in the back of the bus and that has gone over because it can't stay only within their community when they're flying on a plane where now we see el al which is the israeli airline so of course there are going to be many jewish people that's why i don't fly it and very (laughs) religious people more of why I don't fly it. And then they come and they sit and they've been assigned to a seat and they didn't pay the extra $35 to have their choice. And now they're next to a woman and they kindly ask the woman, get up and move or I don't fly. And it causes this scene, which we've right. seen time and time again. Right. And then you talked about bulletproof stockings. <laughs> now, I'm sure everyone that was just like, come again, what was that? Like, is that an Israeli, like, don't, die your legs should be guarded at all times because we've got bulletproof vests but bulletproof stockings i mean or that's like the greatest invention to stopping rape i don't know what is that what is it bulletproof stockings is a i guess a term that we started to utilize there's actually an ultra orthodox women's band called bulletproof stockings in new york you should look them up the idea is that the qualifications that people are coming out to have the thickness of a woman's stockings with like how thick they have to be in order to be quote unquote kosher to wear it's just so people are like god they're like bulletproof they're so thick because those are pants they just describe pants (laughs) if you're gonna make stockings (laughs) thick you're wearing pants which i thought they're against i thought you have to wear a skirt because it's modest which it's really not at all hello britney spears and her vagina hanging out of her her skirt one time i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do that to you or anybody but it's true 
Okay, they're pants. Bulletproof stockings are a fancy terminology for pants. Right. Like, chokhmat nashim is wisdom. This is <laughs> pants. It's the same equivalent. So you have all of these things that are going on. And by the way, one of the things that I, I mentioned it earlier about the projects that you do, and I mm-hmm. want to go back to the breast cancer in a second, but before that, I saw this erasing women. Yeah. And first I thought it was some ultra-Orthodox gay tinder. Because it sounded amazing. Like, what? Are they like, get rid of the women and bring out the dicks? I apologize. I don't know you how You are far worse than far. me. Yeah. I go <laughs> as far as they let me. Okay. It's not, but it's not. It's not Tinder. It's not gay Tinder for religious men. No. Or ultra-Orthodox men. No. Because I can't show you visuals, I can't, but, but I'll tell you. Well, you can't because you, you'd have to erase yourself. You. Yeah. Yeah, we're radio. I know. The idea is that, just like you said, you know, if we can't be next to a woman by prayer and then let's just extend that further so we can't be next to a woman you know just sitting normally and then well we shouldn't be able to see women on pictures because god forbid that could cause us to get excited and Mm -hmm. you know sin and so what they've done now is removed images of women and girls from magazines so if you pick up almost any pamphlet in Beit Shemesh you will not see any girls or women even the ones that are printed by the city municipality and if you pick up a magazine that's designated for the orthodox world like mishpacha or ami or bina and bina specifically by the way a women's magazine you will not see women or girls even though ironically a lot of their management is women okay right like the publishers and the writers and this they're women but they don't show women's faces and so i call it you know to make it a term that people can understand literally we're being erased i mean it's not even i call it we are being erased we're being removed from areas that we're supposed to be whether it's an ll flight women are being shunted to the side and marginalized and this is what we're fighting against because it's ridiculous it is absurd it's crazy that there's a woman's magazine that has a lot of management that will be women Mm -hmm. and then in the magazine itself they're still not women And yet, I have to tell you from experiencing this in Israel, I know there is a patriarchy in Judaism. I know Judaism. I feel Judaism is very male-dominated in a lot of ways. And I see that's what you're fighting. But I have to say, and I go back to my example of when you're praying at the Western Wall as a group of women and Mm -hmm. other women are telling you you're too loud. And obviously, I'm pointing out now the women's group, Women of the Wall, who of course go there and of course are louder to make their point in order to be provocative. That is the way, in my opinion, you make change whether or not you like them or not they do that but to have other women spitting on them telling them they're the reason the holocaust exists that's not men on women that's women against women and and i think that in all of society we've seen this be a much larger problem so do you see that battle because you guys are a women's organization i saw from the pictures anyways on the website you're three women at least Mm -hmm. from what i can tell Mm -hmm. it hasn't been erased yet do you find that you also have to educate women about women so it's interesting that you say that we started out because of the battle of women of the wall and women for the wall okay when it first started and women of the wall i mean women of the wall has been coming to the western wall monthly for i think 25 years already at least if i'm probably going to get yelled at because that's probably and with with that goal of equality at the wall meaning if there's a women's section we want the same equality as on the men's side of one of the most religious places for all of jews from all over the world well they want to pray in a women's prayer group yeah Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they want to be able to do. And because the Western Wall has been now kind of like considered an Orthodox synagogue, people are against them praying in a 
women's quorum. That's the word again. Here it is. And what happened was there was another group of women. I, I happened to know two of the founders who started to come and protest. And they brought busloads of, of young girls who they said, they're desecrating the Western Wall, this holy place, and you have to come and you have to help us. And they brought busloads and busloads of people and they would throw things. And well, actually, most of the people who came in just prayed louder and screamed and yelled. But really, the people who are throwing things are really the ultra-Orthodox. I don't see it as much in my work, simply because I work with other women who understand the importance of the issues that we deal with. But I have sat down with the leaders of this Women for the Wall, which are against women of the wall. And I've told them, I said, you're just making this so much worse. You are making such a chilul Hashem, as we say it in Hebrew, which is like an embarrassment to God's name. It put me into tears, to be honest with you. It really just... I looked at her and I said, please, let's sit down and figure this out another way. Don't bring in thousands of women and encourage people. First of all, you're losing your battle for yourself. I mean, that's you're making them a victim like they've never been before. That's first of all. But second of all, I just was devastated by it. And we did try to try and and bring the two sides together. But at this point, or at that point, even which was at four and a half, five years ago, there was no bringing them together. And it's a shame. It's, it's something very sad to me. And I hear what you're saying about women joining into the patriarchy, but I want to tell you something on the flip side. And that is, I see now women in the ultra-Orthodox community who are saying, enough, you've gone too far. You expect us to work to bring in the money. You expect us to be not seen. You expect us to come in and, and submit, you know, be submissive to to the will of our husbands when we are actually more educated secularly than our husbands because they're given more education secularly so they can work so that the men can learn Torah all day. And they're coming and saying, this is not happening anymore. We want a voice. We want to be represented. And you have thousands of ultra-Orthodox women who are saying, we want to keep Torah and we want to be religious women, but we want to be heard. And I see a revolution happening in women across the board here in Israel. And I'm much less worried about those women who who are upholding the patriarchy and much more hopeful and excited about the women who are trying to take it down. Okay, so I hope that what you just said is true and there is like, future and empowerment and going back to that breast cancer issue which I found fascinating where you said it was less women within the ultra orthodox community that would get breast cancer but that they are more often to die from it from lack of knowledge and screenings and taking care of it and I don't know if you're aware of this you must be aware of this we work just had their huge creator awards here in Jerusalem they're an international company and they gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars the organizer that won most of the money was called monit her m-o-n-i-t-h-e-r-h being big her uh which was basically a jerusalem-based breast monitoring company founded by nasa postdoctorate fellow yehudit abrams who to me, looked pretty religious when she was given her pitch on stage. I mean, she looked the part and here she is for breast cancer awareness in the Haredi community. I would think they can be able to use this. It's basically um, an early detection ultrasound. Are you aware of that? And do you see that as yes, progress, <laughs> actual progress? I was aware of it. And I think that it's phenomenal. Female religious entrepreneur who's dealing with women's health is phenomenal. What happens, and I think people, it's hard for people, even people who are American or Anglo, yeshivish, ultra-Orthodox, don't understand the extent of the isolation of some of the ultra-Orthodox communities. It's simply something they can't 
really wrap their heads around because these people still read newspapers. They know about WeWork, right? Like, I mean, this is... What the hell is a newspaper? (laughs) Some people truly only are fed information or only receive information that they're fed, right? So for example, there's ultra-Orthodox radio stations. There was a court case to get women allowed to speak on the radio station. When my partner went on, my she's my partner in the breast cancer awareness, uh, Ruth Kolian, when she went on to the radio and she said breast cancer, they threatened to throw her off for using immodest words. Yeah, I, I and see so that. Yep. There's a tremendous barrier to talking about women's health because it's insanely considered immodest because these people are so careful about modesty. And modesty is a Jewish value. It's important for me to say that. Modesty is a Jewish value. We care about these things. But when modesty is taken to an extreme where it affects your health, but it affects your, you know, not only your physical health, but your mental health, your social health, that is where you're going off the deep end. And so we try very hard to bring back the extremism. So yes, it's a good thing. And hopefully we will be able to, you know, work together and get this into the communities that are so insular and maybe we can make a difference that way. All right. We're going to end it on a final note. If you could be any of the Torah ladies, all right, we're going back ancient now. Who do you think you would choose to be who would have made a real difference, you know, beyond hashtags, me too campaigns and all that, that you'd like to bring here today into the 21st century? Who would I like to be or who would I like to bring? Oh, always the Jews. They can't. <laughs> I couldn't they just can't. Clearly. It's just a question. Either way, I guess, lady. Either way. You can either bring her and she can be part of your Hochmat Nashim or or you can be her. One name is in my head screaming Miriam, Miriam, Miriam. I think that Miriam's ability to bring her parents together to watch over her brother, to tell her brothers, you know, let's do this, let's not do this, to lead the women to sing praises after the Jews left Egypt and crossed crossed the sea. I think that to me is is something so incredibly, it's, it's seeing the fulfillment of something that you dreamed of as a child. And I don't see what better role model could be for someone who really wants to see their community thrive and do well in Israel other than Miriam, even though she didn't make it to Israel, but she saw her people redeemed. And I think that if I have to answer on one foot, I like that. Uh, that would be my answer. All right. And let's say, you know, I believe, I think a lot of people believe that, you know, when the Torah and the stories and everything was written, it was men who kept writing the Torah, you know, so they could get passed down and more Torahs all over the world. And maybe, maybe there could have been one of these manly characters who actually was perhaps a woman. I know that's like a total conspiracy. I just made that up. But let's say for this sake and ending the podcast, if there is a man that's actually probably a woman in the Torah, do you see like who would that be and why do you think that? It's convoluted. <laughs> that question. It's transgender. It's all of the above. Okay. Maybe it was Moses because oh he was quieter and didn't want his voice to be heard too much. And maybe that was like a woman thing and he knew what he was doing, but it was really a she. Oh my gosh. If there was one male Jewish historical character in the Torah that was actually a female, who would it be? Yeah. <laughs> it's giggly. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. Mm, I don't right. know how to the question. You know what? I'll I'll do this better. I'll be very Jewy. I'm going to give you another woman. How's that? Can I give you another oh, woman? Oh my god! Well, that's what she said. Yeah, do it. Let's have a okay. thruple. Yeah. My second answer would be um, the daughter of 
Zlavchad, you can say that word, Zlavchad. The daughters of Zlavchad were five, five women who stayed single so that they can inherit the land after their father died and they had no brothers. And so, you know what, Molly? Yeah, I don't need origin, to put women on men. I got another, enough women in the Torah that I can look up to. I got Ruth. I got Naomi. I'm good. Yes. I don't need men. Suck it. We don't need to find the transgender <laughs> in the Torah. We got this. All right. If people want to get involved, if they want to learn, if they want to say, Chochmat Nashim, how do they do that? Without spitting on the well, mic. They should definitely find us on Facebook at Chochmat Nashim. I'm not going to spell it out for you because even I can't do that on one foot. We also have a website, chochmatnashim.org. And we're going to be having an event actually in Jerusalem on July 24th. It Beer Bazaar, 8 o'clock. Come hang out with us and learn how you guys can get involved. Wow, that's so fantastic. I heard beer, so that's probably going to bring us there. I hope you don't get uh, erased before then. It sounds like you are trying to... It's incredible. Of course, I've joked with you here today, but I'm all for what you're doing, and I think there's even more to discuss, so perhaps we can have you back on again and get into some of the deeper-rooted issues that I so kindly butchered and made fun of. Does that sound okay? <laughs> It'd be my pleasure. All right, I'm going to thank Scott Kahn for editing whatever he has to do, but not erasing. Scott doesn't erase, he edits. And uh, you can find us on iTunes. Subscribe, share, comment. Tell us who you want to hear from. Tell us what you want to understand about the Middle East or you just want to be confused about. This has been another episode of the Mid-East Peace Podcast.